Magic Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Chapman. Tuesday, May 26th. Took the day off yesterday for Memorial Day. Hope everyone had a fun, certainly a safe and a healthy weekend. And we're back at it today as we close the month of May this week. Hard to believe, but it's been over 10 weeks since we've had NBA basketball. Still nothing concrete to discuss, but I'll just say follow Woj on Twitter uh, if you need to. There does sort of seem to be a light at the end of the tunnel here. Uh, But for now, we sit and we wait. Practice facilities are open across the league in limited capacities. And it's just starting to feel a little different. Feels like we're making our way over that bridge, if nothing else. My guest for the program today is, I think, I think he's the most popular Magic employee, according to other Magic employees. It's between him and Poe Outlaw. Matt Lloyd, assistant general manager, joins me today. He's been with the team since 2012, 13 seasons prior with the Chicago Bulls, and he joins me today on Magic Weekly. Matt, how you doing? I'm great, Jake. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for taking a couple minutes. I know it's a very busy time for you. Uh, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the wrench that this is all thrown and things like draft prep, obviously. But I also want to go back. Let's go back to mid-March, uh, Matt. And and I spent a few weeks uh, over the last couple weeks on this podcast and on my high-performance podcast talking to David Tenney and his high-performance staff about that frantic couple of days. Basketball suspended. You had the Rudy Gobert thing in Oklahoma City. Uh, Obviously, our entire world sort of uh, thrown into disarray. Practice facilities closed down, uh, what, about 10 days after that. Just sort of take me through that span of a couple weeks from your perspective as the assistant general manager, the the preparations you may have made as we were sort of, uh, as we saw this thing sort of coming. And and what was that, I guess, two-week span there in mid-March until April like for you and your world? Yeah, that, that that's a good question. And 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 what what had the process at our at that point in the season for us is basically you know we're heavy traveling and attempting to close the loops on a lot of um, our scouting responsibilities for the season in in draft prep because we were about ready to go. We were entering the conference tournament season, and then we had we would have had the NCAA tournament, and then some of the postseason events, which obviously you know didn't happen. But um, I had actually been on a pretty long road trip um, throughout the Midwest. I was doing a a lot of driving and then I came home and then I went to the Illinois, Ohio state game, flew to Charlottesville, Virginia. And that's when this was when it was starting to really build up. And I remember Mm -hmm. having a couple conversations um, with, with some colleagues uh, here at the magic thinking like, as, as you know, what, what are we going to do if, when, why, what, and how, um, but we were still kind of in the stage where it wasn't, uh, you know, lockdown or, or anything like that. So I went to the Louisville, Virginia game in, in Charlottesville on a Saturday morning. And I drove to D.C. that night, uh, had dinner with a colleague. And then um, the next the next morning, um, went to the CAA conference tournament, four games. Um, and then now it's starting to get a little bit crazy. People are starting mm-hmm. – there's there's – you know, news alerts, et cetera, et cetera. I flew home for one day, um, and then flew to New York to go to the, to the, to go to the Big East tournament. And I was sitting at the, the second game, the first night of the Big East tournament and the league shut down. So, um, you know, I think sometimes, uh, we're, we are fortunate to be in the positions that we are. I know every day I get up and I'm, I feel extremely fortunate to, to, to get to do the job I do, but it was one of those moments I think in life where you'll, always remember where you were at when, when it happened. And 
Um, so the next morning, like that, I was with uh, Tunji Adedipe, who's from our office, the assistant GM of our Lakeland team. And mm-hmm. we booked a flight um, back to Orlando that at the half of that night the, the, of the, the second game. And we flew home the next morning. And, you know, we were in the office in and out a little bit um, until the, we got the, the word that the, that the practice facility was going to be closed. Um, and we were just kind of making plans as to how we were going to approach it, not really knowing, you know, what, what we were going to be involved in or how long it was going to be. So all told, it was, uh, it was a pretty hectic couple, two weeks, I think, probably leading into it. And then, um, you know, like, like you said, it's, we're in week nine or 10 now. In your world, your world, Matt, um, I guess it's kind of a cliche that you always sort of have your your dossiers or at least a a fairly full report on college guys before the postseason starts. Right. It's kind of finishing touches. Um, But I'm sure you do look deeply into conference tournaments. You do look deeply uh, into the NCAA tournament if it happens. And then those postseason tournaments, you know, Portsmouth and things like that. I know you guys glean a lot of information um, from those, just watching these guys compete against one another. And then obviously the, you know, getting a kid in a room and being able to really pick his brain and get that sort of feel uh, for the type of guy you may be potentially be drafting. I know how important that is to you. What are the big, I guess, information deficits here um, as opposed to years past where you're trying to prepare for the draft and you got to do everything remotely? You know, I think the combine is one thing. I think some of those measurements, you know, you can probably approximate all of that. Um, what's the big sort of uh, drop off here as you continue with your draft prep as opposed to years past? Actually, it, it's it's funny because um, all it all it's done is really forced us to be a little bit more creative. And, and so I don't know if there'll be a gigantic deficit in terms of our, our normal information return. Um, we had basically, I mean, it was pretty easy. We, we had scouted everyone and seen everyone in person once, right? at least once. And um, more importantly, Jeff and John had seen everyone in person that they needed to see at least once. And, um, you know, we're pretty creative with their schedule as well, just knowing that, um, they have a lot of responsibilities traveling with the team and being aware of being available for the coaching staff and the players. And, and they're very um, invested in those two areas as well. So um, from the scouting perspective, they, they had seen everything they needed to see. And then we're in this age of technology where we have access to every single game that we could ever need at any point in time. So we have iPads, we have computers, we have home computers, we have TVs, we have, um, and we have just so much data. Um, our, our analytics group does such a good job of compiling and offering a perspective um, from an analytics and, and data standpoint that we never would have had access to that like 15 years ago. We, if, if this was, um, you know, like 1990 or even like 2000, we, we would probably be facing a deficit. But all it's forced us to do is to remain extremely um, innovative and, and creative in our approach. And, and I was kind of worried about it initially, but I'm, I'm really not worried about it anymore. We're going to get all the information we need to get before the time we need to, to make a decision. And, and um, you know, that, that's kind of like the, the like tentpole tenant of our, of our little scouting operation is to make sure that we are just are in constant information gathering mode and, um, you know, luckily we have a staff that can execute it and, and we've remained collectively really, really creative in, in approaching the, the compilation of it. 
Yeah, and that's that's something that I think applies to you going back to when you first arrived here back in 2012 um, with Rob and, and that crew and then Jeff and John come in. I think probably, you know, forward thinking and innovation um, is one of the more, you know, um, I guess, base tenets of, of you and your group. So when you look at, at kind of any changes in, in systems and processes over the last couple of weeks, a uh, couple months now, can, can some of this stuff spin forward? Do you think moving forward when things, quote unquote, go back to normal, um, will you be able to apply some of the lessons you've learned? Do you think, you know, Zoom meetings and working remotely? I mean, obviously, you, you work remotely about 330 days a year or something along those lines. But can any of this help long term, do you think? Yeah, that, that's such a good question, because um it's our challenge to really make it work, you know, and it makes us, it'll make us more efficient going forward. Um, and luckily, you know, I'm with a bunch of people that aren't afraid to, you know, throw a bunch of stuff on the wall and see what sticks. Right. And, and 9,000, if we do, if we do a thousand, um, different ideas and one of them creates some sort of advantage for us going forward, um, the other 999 were worth it. And so, we're just constantly trying to like make sure that that's our focus and, and okay, so how can we do this? How can we separate ourselves from the other 30 teams that are stuck doing the same thing? And it's by approaching every single day as an opportunity to, to do something a little bit different, a little bit better. And the, um, the situation we're in, the, it's just basically a context change. It's not really like a logistics change. I guess maybe there's some logistics that are a little bit different too, but we're getting the same thing. We're doing the same thing that we would be doing normally. It's just, you know, in a little bit of a different context. And and so um, there will be things that we'd be, we'll be able to take from this going forward in, in, in our information compilation and, and how we may approach things, you know, internally from a staff perspective. Um, but we're still kind of exploring those things and, and, and um, you know, we're still kind of being innovative internally and, and, and truly challenging ourselves to, to come up with something different. That's fascinating. It's the Magic Weekly Podcast. We're talking to Magic Assistant General Manager Matt Lloyd. I think I know the answer to this question, Matt, but international drafting, does this change anything as far as getting a beat on some of the guys um, across the world that weren't playing college basketball last year? No, I think, you know, we, we're lucky. We have, we have, um, we have someone that's stationed in Spain. And again, um, we had gone, uh, you know, over and, and we had had several staff members go international already this year. There was no, there'll be no lag in terms of live exposures. And then we have all this film that we can, um, we can pull from and, you know, we almost have to, we almost we almost have to protect from, you know, paralysis by over analysis in some right. instances, because, we're challenging ourselves to, 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 you know, get, gather this information and, and put ourselves in a position to make the right decision for the magic. And um, we have to challenge ourselves from kind of being over aggressive with it. And that'll be, you know, that'll be something that we're going to be constantly aware of, but from the international thing perspective, we, we had no, we'll have no lag. You know, we had had several staff members go over, see, see these players live in person. Um, you know, I had gone, I went to the, to the European um, under 20 championships last summer. Uh, so we had had a jump start on it. And luckily, you know, we can, we can kind of say our diligence pays off in these instances because, and this is why we do this. Our diligence is always kind of preparing for the unpreparable. And we're always kind of anticipating having to make a decision on the, the 1% of data that we, that we compile. Right. Um, and so 
our diligence has now paid off because we are prepared. We're ready to go um, for whenever we we have to go. Uh, and it'll be a good example going forward of kind of remaining diligent and sticking to that calendar. You mentioned traveling with Tunji. I wanted to ask you about Lakeland specifically, about the G League specifically. Let's go back. You were, uh, what, you started in the NBA back in 95, full-time capacity in 99 with the Bulls organization. So you've watched it soup to nuts, Matt, uh, the D League, the G League, the one-on-one affiliations um, across the league from, from teams and obviously getting um, the Bayhawks down here and, and, and getting that one-on-one affiliation with the Lakeland Magic was a huge step in the right direction. I think, I mean, it feels like right now with college basketball and the one and done rule and everything sort of up in the air. And of course, you're starting to see um, prospects, you know, (laughs) they'll they'll put up the little graphic. I'm going to go to Duke, Kentucky, or I'm going to join the G League. Um, It feels like a tiger that's sort of ready to pounce. How helpful has has it been having Lakeland there Um, just as obviously as a way uh, to, you know, to, to sort of prepare some players for for what comes next and then moving forward i mean how big a tool is that going to be for you guys having that there and and when you talk about you know the potential of a kid going over to europe or going overseas making money or going to the league um or 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 going to the g league or 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 playing college basketball it's uh it, it feels to me like a like a sleeping tiger right now doesn't it yeah it's a great observation because um the 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 program specific to lakeland uh, has been such a huge benefit for us. And um, I don't, I'm not sure how many people are aware of this, but the the team has the best winning, has the most wins in the last three years in the G league. Mm. And, and it's uh, it's, it's not just about like winning down there because they have a double kind of a double edged thing. They're always kind of towing the line of they're trying to work on player development, but still continue to win games and be sure, you know, uh, represent the, the organization in the best manner. And when Jeff got here, when Jeff Weltman got here, he had seen the impact that a that a a, a pretty fruitful um, G League program can provide because they had that in in Toronto. Yeah. So, um, you know, he challenged those guys to to make the place a a a, a place where where player representatives and and players wanted to be. You know, and so if you look at the results, both from a winning perspective and then from the the player development perspective, it's been positive. We, we've kind of placed players in and put them in position to, you know, make a lot of money playing pro basketball, maybe not in the NBA initially, but um, maybe eventually. And then, you know, Jonathan Isaac did an injury rehab uh, two game stint down there, his rookie year. So we haven't really utilized, we haven't used that, primarily as like one or the other and and they've towed the line in player development and winning you know pretty successfully pretty successfully so the g league is just um you know you're right soup to nuts and and it goes back to you know the early 90s when i was growing up in the suburbs of chicago you couldn't really get tickets to a a bulls game and um uh i would go to the cba rockford lightning games you know just to kind of get a a, a pro basketball perspective. And I really, really enjoyed that. It's always been something that, you know, I found personally um, fun. So to watch the Lakeland program grow and expand and, and, and become something that the organization is really proud of is, 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 has been really, really fun. And, you know, a lot of that credit goes to Jeff because he came in and prioritized that from the get go. Um, And we're going to continue to see an expansion of that program, not only here in Lakeland, but league wide, you know, over the next couple of years, it's got limitless potential. 
I think that's interesting, Matt. You know as well as anybody that, you know, if you're Anthony Parker, if you're Coach Heath, of course, you know, you 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 owe it to to the Magic organization to make sure that you're developing players the right way, but you want to win. I mean, these yeah. are competitors, right? So so I would think it would be sort of it would be difficult for people like AP or Coach Heath to toe that line. And then I also I would think from people in your perspective, um, you know, you you sort of have to handle it with kid gloves, I guess. Like, you, what is that relationship like? Do you ever sort of um, get to a point where you say, look, we, this, this is probably what's best for us right now, but we understand um, that you guys are trying to win games as well. How does that relationship work? I'm, I'm sure it's, um, you know, I'm sure it's it's nothing but positive, but I, I could see that causing some tension at times. Yeah, I think it's it's competitive people, like you said, right. and, and and they're they're competitive people that have seen success in the fields that they've chosen to be a part of prior to, you know, going to Lakeland and Anthony, Anthony Parker has, he was a, he's one of the best players in the history of, of European basketball. Right. So he, he just being a competitive person, they've done such a, an excellent job in Lakeland and, and the credit for this goes to Anthony and to Tunji and to, to, to Stan. Um, They've they've thread that needle almost perfectly where it is player development and and there's accountability and expectations of winning, you know, and they've they do a like incredible job of of cycling through players in in an attempt to find the perfect fit for for what they're trying to accomplish. And in return, like that's what the Magic are trying to accomplish. You know, we Vic Law is a great example. B.J. Johnson is a great example. Um, Troy Copain from the last two years is a great example. I mean, the list goes on and on. Emil Jefferson has gotten significantly better over the last two years, you know, playing at playing between Lakeland and, and Orlando. So um, <clears throat> the program in and of itself is, has been really successful. And as a whole, we're going to see like, again, like limitless potential with the G league and, and what it could really become. I think we're just continuing to scratch the surface there. Um, but but anyone that hasn't been out to a game, I really encourage you to. My my wife and I, every time I'm home, you know, we we'll drive out there and and sit sit in our little table and 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 watch the game um, because it's. Do important. you work? Do you, do you work when you go, or do you at least take a date night for crying out loud? No, I, I actually work, and and she kind of sits there and talks to everybody. But um, you know, we uh, uh we really enjoy going there because and then I like. I like showing support to those guys because it's, sure. it's a, um, you'll always see something there. You'll always see something. And, and the more that you go, the more that you kind of invest in it, the, the better the return would be. And, and philosophically, um, you know, I'd rather be present than, than kind of just a observer. Yeah, absolutely. We're talking to Matt Lloyd here on the magic weekly podcast. Uh, let's go back to, to, uh, the big boys, Magic playing good basketball before all of this happened. It, it felt like things were sort of uh, starting to come together. You got healthy at the right time. Obviously, J.I. was still down. Evan was dealing with that elbow injury. But uh, getting D.J. Augustine back was big. You went a couple games on the road, and you're just sort of settling in, uh, battling for that seventh seed with the Brooklyn Nets and a nice homestand sitting in front of you uh, when all of this sort of goes sideways. What did you think about where the team was at that point? And it feel like they were kind of putting it together uh, there in the uh, the early couple weeks of March. Yeah, I, I had um, been traveling so much, you know, just kind of the, the, the live, um, the games I had seen in person. Um, I happened to be in New York 
when we when we beat Brooklyn in, in Brooklyn and um it was such a great we played so well cuz we got down we got down we came back and played um so well in the second half and then you know that night I was in Charlottesville um we had played um Minnesota and then we played Memphis and we were really kind of starting to 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 um come together and it's always the sign of a, a very co- a good coached, well-coached team is when the team is playing better at the be- end of the season, you know, and uh, we had started to play better And that game. The win at Memphis was a, was a really impressive win. The win at Houston obviously was a really impressive win. Um, and, you know, we were kind of coming together in, in similar way that we did last year, you know, towards this last stretch of the season. And like you said, there was a home stand in front of us and, um, you know, so but it, it it was more representative of probably what our expectations were at the beginning of the year, coming off how we played in the in the playoffs last year. So, um, you know, I think it 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 it's a shame that it happened and, and stuff. And it, we've been really cognizant and aware of trying to keep and continuing to keep the players as safe as possible. Um, but it was a good sign of things to come. Can't get you out of here without asking you about the last dance, Matt. You grew up in the Chicago suburbs. You were a member of the Bulls organization, um, not on a full-time basis, but for, what, the last three seasons, I believe, um, that Mike was there. What did you think of the documentary? How many memories did it stir up for you? Um, And I I would assume you you knew Jerry Krause fairly well. Did you have as much a problem as I did with the way – that the man that the man was uh, was cast in that I, I I hated the fact that he couldn't defend himself. Uh, may he rest in peace. Yeah, he he was um, he was very very influential in my in my career and and um, he provided me with with a with an opportunity to really learn. Uh, after he retired, he and I would go out to lunch often, and he was always so open with with questions and 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 he always had answers. Um, we, mm. we 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 did a little lunch tour around the northern suburbs of Chicago over the course of a couple of seasons. And, and he had taken interest in, in me personally, um, you know, when he was still the GM. And so I, I, I'll look back and it was such a, it was, a, someone had described it. I heard this, this weekend, actually, someone described it as a movie and, and, and a movie needed a, a hero and a villain. And mm. it's, it just kind of is what it is. The documentary in and of itself was, was amazing. And the thing I took away from it was just, the way, you know, remembering the way that the, the team made the city feel and the, the city felt like invincible, you know, because because uh, they would go into every game with with, you know, a likelihood of winning and for that for those three seasons. And it was such a, um, you know, it was the perfect uh, it was a perfect convergence of 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 toughness and, and winning and, 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 and holding yourself accountable to winning, you know, like the team, um, very rarely faltered. They were very, they were never unprepared, you know, so that's what you're striving for. And it was, it was a good remembrance. Um, it was a good remembrance of, of the greatness of that team and the, the caliber of the players, you know, you, you didn't, they probably appreciated it at the time, but you were watching history and that, 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 um, the documentary and it was a was a time capsule, really. I mean, it yeah. was a time capsule of 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 that team and and the NBA in general, and, and for that period that that Michael Jordan was there. So um, he was such a great player, and he was and he was such a uh, relentless competitor. You know, it's it was good to see him painted in that in that way, and and uh, you know the 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 documentary of it, it was just it was like appointment watching. It was. 
um, someone had put on the internet, like said, Hey, look, here's, here's all nine episodes. And luckily ESPN shut that down before. Cause then you wouldn't have anything to look forward to, you know, like <laughs> just every Sunday you were like getting ready, you know, building up to it. And, um, you know, for, for someone to, to, to attempt to do that, I think it was, it, it stunk, but, um, I, I loved watching it. And, and, uh, I thought there was some stuff that was good about Jerry too. You know, they, they talked a lot about how he, you know, the guy was just so diligent in his approach every day. Like he just, he tried to do everything he possibly could for the bulls. And, and that, that, that included really being, you know, curating information deep into the second round if he thought it could help. So, right. um, you know, there was some things that I thought that came across as positive too. And, uh, you know, I'll choose to remember those. Yeah, no, I thought they did a, a fairly good job of sort of reconciling that um, in the last couple episodes. Like, uh, probably none of this happens. I mean, he's the guy who drafted Scotty and the guy who drafted Horace. And yeah, you can focus on what that last season was like. But, you know, you win five championships in seven seasons and there's bound to be some internal conflict. That's mm-hmm. just the way this stuff works. Um, yep. But it was, I thought it was great. It was, and, and you're right. I mean, if you can't practice a little self-discipline and wait for next Sunday to watch the next two episodes, and I don't know what to tell you because we oh. needed that over the course of these last five no. weeks what else would you have been watching no kidding and and uh, a friend of mine from home like had sent me you know a link he's like check this out it's all nine episodes i got right I'm like, thanks for ruining the, the, the my my life that i was looking forward to this like we had five weeks of something we were kind of looking forward to and luckily espn shut that down found out about it and 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 conked it down so well, Matt, this has been uh, a real treat. Um, thanks so much for taking the time. Hopefully, we will see you in a gym sometime soon. Hopefully, we can get back out on the floor sometime soon and uh, resume, I guess, what will be the new normal moving forward. But certainly appreciate the time. Let's do it again, okay? Yeah, thanks so much, Jake. Uh, tell everyone we said hi. Absolutely. We'll do. There he is. He's Matt Lloyd, Magic Assistant General Manager. My name is Jake Chapman. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Jake Chapman OM. This has been the Magic Weekly Podcast. We'll be back next Monday with another edition. Have a great and, of course, a very safe and healthy week, everybody.